you don't love what you do, it, it's going to be very hard to, to feel happy about anything you accomplish at the end of the day, right? And I think, I mean, that's what's driven me. And I think most of the people that are, like everyone that's working at, at Publishizer. So I know that, yeah, I know that everyone feels successful. And I just know that to be true. So if you do what you love, uh, you're trying to be happy in life and business, then uh, yeah, I think you're going to be successful. Hi, and welcome to the Venture Life Podcast. This is the place to go if you want to know what it's really like to do what you love so that you can live your life like a story worth sharing. I'm your host, Riley McGee, and this is episode number four with Lee Constantine. I'm not kidding when I tell you that I wish we could have spent an entire afternoon recording this episode, maybe also while lounging in a coffee shop in the Netherlands, (laughs) because as you'll soon find out, Lee is chock full of just so many insights and incredible startup stories, but you probably don't have time for that and neither does Lee since he's busy working on his company currently headquartered in Amsterdam. Lee is the co-founder and chief marketing officer of Publishizer, a business that helps you go from I have this idea for a book to I'm a published author. And it's an amazing company with an interesting business model that helps so many authors get up and running all around the world, but you have to just keep listening to get more details from Lee on that. Uh, In this episode, we talk a little bit about how Lee traveled all around the globe, really, while working with different startups and how he eventually landed in Amsterdam building up his team with Publishizer. We also dive into fears and uncertainties that just seem to be so pervasive in life and in business, but I'm hoping that You'll be able to take some of the examples and the stories and really listen in to see what applies to your life and your circumstances. Also, if you're one of those people who feels like you have a book inside of you just waiting to be written, then I think you're going to really like some of the things that Lee has to say about getting started and getting past some of those obstacles that you might be facing. But let's not wait any longer. Here is Lee Constantine. So, Lee, welcome to the show. Good to have you on. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's good to be here. How's, uh, how's it? What, what time is it over there? I'm curious. It's 3.15 in, in my afternoon, so I'm in Amsterdam. Amsterdam, and that's in the Netherlands, correct? Yep, northern, <laughs> northern Netherlands in Holland. Wow. So, that is, that's far away, and um, <laughs> I'm calling from, from New York calling in for the for the show here and it's uh it's crazy to think that you're all the way over there and this is actually where you know i'm hoping that we can start uh this episode and get it get into to your story a little bit because um before we got on i knew that you told me you're originally from michigan but i think you worked in new york for a little bit we were just talking about how you spent some time in uh in silicon valley working with some startups over there and then you were in las vegas for a little while but now you're you're in Amsterdam. So how, how did that happen? <laughs> Can you unpack that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. So in Amsterdam, been here for about 10 months. And uh, well, I'll probably be here for a little while, hopefully for, for a little while longer. But I mean, the road to Amsterdam is, is pretty long. And uh, it, it was with like a lot of different places and, and companies. So I was in San Francisco for a small while. Um, like basically just the years after, after college. And then I migrated over to, 
uh, I migrated over to Las Vegas, basically when Tony Shea was big, right? He's, he's still big, like he stole this company to Amazon, to Apple's, but he basically had the city as a startup movement and he was basically recruiting a lot of startups from like Silicon Valley or Mountain View or San Francisco. We were one of those companies. Uh, I was a part of the company, so he brought us over there. We got some investment and then basically, yeah, the company was acquired and I just stayed there for like a year and a half longer. And uh, it was a really good, a really good time. The city was great. I mean, it was a lot of things happening. All these people from everywhere coming to, to see what this whole Tony Shea movement was about. So that was really fun. Um, I started like a magazine while I was there. I sold that, started working for some other people. But then, like, of course, time was it was time to move on. So eventually, uh, I hooked up with my current business partner, um, and now we're still running Publishizer. I left Las Vegas, uh, flew to Bali. We were out there for a little while. Um, really low cost living, co working spaces, um, doing the the digital nomad thing. Uh, bounced around for like going to. Ukraine, Peru. We definitely tried to go to New York for a while. Uh, we were there for like three, months, three or six months, and um, yeah, it was it was fun. It was great. Uh, we definitely couldn't survive there with what we were doing. So, like, I left. I went back to Bali for a bit. Um, my co-founder went to, to India for a while, and we we're just running things completely remote, working with uh, the company kind of like globally, authors kind of everywhere, mostly U.S., but just doing our thing. Um, and then last year, finally, uh, we decided to, to settle down in Amsterdam. So we have some mentors. We have some really great people that we're working with. Now we have our offices here. So, yeah, that is like the really short story of, of how I ended up in Amsterdam. Wow. There is a, a lot a lot there and that what time span did you just cover i'm curious how many years uh, yeah, it was like yeah, it was like four four year four or five years i would say wow so four or five years in under four or five minutes that's impressive uh tells you it tells you you're probably pretty good at your job condensing i tried not to ramble through it so hopefully <laughs> that, that was direct enough well yeah you know i i so many questions already so first of all who is tony shea <laughs> Uh, okay, so Tony Shea, um, I guess he was like a big, he, he's a big deal. I keep saying he's not a big guy, but he's like in this little corner of, of like the US. He's like, he's in Las Vegas, but if you're in Zappos, Zappos, the shoe company, the online shoe company, right? Yeah. So he was the CEO of that. He had this really I want, like innovative approach to, to management and holacracy and like having like customer service. And not only that, like how he, you know, was doing shipping all over the, the U.S. for shoes. And obviously, Amazon got wind of it. <clears throat> Jeff Bezos, like, I'm going to buy your company. And then almost immediately, I think Tony Shea was, like, worth almost a billion dollars. Or plus or minus, however that worked for the valuation. Right. Anyways, um, so he was still running Zappos when we went over there. And we were just working on this, this startup, this basically ad platform um so we went over there well, we started working and he's like i'm going to invest 350 million dollars of my own money into downtown las vegas i'm going to bring in startups i'm going to develop real estate i'm going to help small business and it was a really exciting time 
you know, six months was just like amazing. Everyone coming in, checking out what he was doing. There was, yeah, a lot of capital, a lot of people, um, corking spaces popping up. It was really fun. And of course it was Las Vegas. So it was, uh, it was really cool. So I guess a, lot of fun. <laughs> a quick nutshell. Yeah, that's, that's Tony Shea. Um, he's still doing it. Um, I don't think it's as big of a deal these days. That sounds super exciting. I mean, I can hear the energy in your voice and I can see it on your face. Um, <laughs> for those just listening, it's like bursting out of you. It sounds like a really exciting time of your life. And ha- like you're, it's, so you were very much in the startup scene. You were working with and, or at least connected to these names like Tony Shea and, and who's connected to Jeff Bezos. And I mean, these are, these are big names and these are big companies. And, but you're in the startup space, which is kind of like, you know, that's usually for <laughs> startups are, are not the big companies, right? It's qu- quite the opposite. But I mean, it sounds like there's a lot of like entrepreneurial spirit and uh, investments and all those. Like, how did you how did you get into that scene? <clears throat> get from Michigan. How did that happen? I just wanted to get into it. And like the Tony Shea thing, the Las Vegas, that happened like very like organically. There's, that was not planned. But I did... After I graduated college uh, in Michigan, I wanted to go out to Silicon Valley. I wanted to work for startups. So I basically, yeah, I just started applying around to some places. And obviously, like knowing today, like startups, they need they need people to work for them, right? They want people that are interested in doing stuff that, you know, they, they, they can't do on their own. So anyways, applied to some spots. And uh, yeah, this company was like, uh, I'm interested in um, you coming down here. So like, a, a kind of an interesting story because I had no idea what I was doing after college, but I'm like, I want to go up there. And on a Friday afternoon, um, I got like a phone call. Like I was having lunch with a friend or my, I think it was my sister in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And um, the guy goes, yeah, I, I got your, your resume. Um, and I want you to start working here on Monday. You got to be here on Monday. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's crazy. Like he's like, I don't really care about anything else. Just be here on Monday and I'll, and I'll, you can start working. I'm like, okay, well, if I'm there on Monday, which is in two days, then you have to guarantee me a job because like I'm going all the way over there. He's like, no, I can't guarantee you a job, but I can guarantee you that if you're here on Monday, I will test you out for a week. And if I like you, um, then we'll continue working. I'll, I'll sign a contract. I'm like, this is pretty risky. No pressure. <laughs> yeah, like, I guess that's what it's like over there. But, uh, so I'm like, all right, cool. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to fly over there. Um, yeah, and it worked out. So I'm, I'm happy about that. That, I feel like we could probably spend all the rest of our time just diving into that story alone. But I, I know we've got so, so much more to get to, but that is, that's amazing. And I think that's, I can, I can just tell from the, you know, our conversations in the past and then, and this one especially that you just have this like knack for, adventure (laughs) and just like going off the it's almost like you're you know flying by the seat of your pants like I heard you say um you know nothing was planned you didn't know what you were going to do after college so and and now you're with and now you're with your own company Publishizer and I know you mentioned that can you can you tell the audience kind of you know what that is what you're doing now yeah yeah definitely definitely trying not to fly by the seat of my pants these days but uh you kind of have to when you're first starting out um but yeah, that, that was my introduction to it. And then um, how, how I came into Publishizer is 
Yeah. Um, after I migrated down to, to Las Vegas, I was kind of like ready to leave. So I was looking for something else. I was looking for like another opportunity. And I did want to get back into to startups because I wasn't necessarily in them anymore. I was doing some a consulting firm and like a coaching company. I just was looking for some fast pace again. Um, so I went back to um, like an old contact from the, the company in San Francisco. And she connected me with um, the CEO of Publishizer at the time, like basically the founder of it. And then we started doing some work together. And it's like, I would love you to come work for the company, um, but I, I need you to come to Bali in like two months. And then at the same thing, I'm like, well, dang, I, I do want to get out of Vegas, but I didn't think about going to, to Bali, Indonesia in two months. So I'm like, let me think about it. Let me see if it's something I want to do. And then I think the next day I called him up like, yeah, I'm there. I'll pack my bags. I'll see you in two months. And I'd never met the guy. I'd never met him in person before. So I flew to Bali. And yeah, that's the first time I met him. And then eventually, yeah, we, we built this company uh, together. We're up to eight now. Like it's a huge team effort. Things are really great. But um, yeah, that was uh, the first introduction to Publishizer as a company. That was four years ago. Wow. So you've been there. So and I, I definitely, I want you to explain, you know, more thoroughly, like what Publishizer is and what you're doing, because I think it's amazing um, and really like unique from, from how I understand, like what you guys are doing over there. But one, one thing you said stuck out, uh, st- stood out to me. And it was when you said that you had to, you had to think about it, you know, spend some time, like two months, you know, you have a little bit of time to, to think it over, but then the next day <laughs> you call him, what was your what were you thinking? Yeah. I, I say that it took some time, but like I knew, I probably knew immediately. Like, yeah, for sure. That sounds good. I mean, you don't have anything to lose. Um, I, I was looking for a change. I, I was like seeking change and this came up and yeah, I, I knew it was something that I wanted to, to explore and try out. And plus Bali sounds great. Um, I knew they had this little, they're trying to create this little tech hub where you get all these entrepreneurs coming in and yeah, the digital nomad was super interesting. Um, cause I was talking to some authors and some other people and this term has just come up before. And I, I kind of admired what these people were doing and, uh, I just kind of wanted to, to follow suits and see what this whole thing was about. And this was an opportunity. It was kind of the same situation is when I decided to check out like Silicon Valley, like I needed to see what this was about. Um, and then, yeah, I just had to, I just check it out again. So uh, I went over there and um, it was, it was cool. It was very much a lifestyle choice. Uh, a lifestyle business is what we made it instead of what it is today. It's kind of a, an actual high growth business, right? But that's, that's definitely not how it started out. Um, so it's pretty cool how it evolved over a short period of time. And what is, so what has it evolved, evolved into? What is, what is Publishizer today? Tell us about that. It has, I mean, it's just, it's, it's grown in what we're doing in, in depth. So Publishizer is, we're a crowdfunding literary agency, but it started out and it still very much is crowdfunding for books, but beyond just getting funds for your book beyond validating that this idea is something great that readers really want it we're also um yeah getting publishers interested in in picking up the book making sure that the end product is very high quality making sure that this thing is very marketable 
support for the authors, and of course, that the end goal of getting into some retail distribution or even those those five figure paid advances, right? These are all things that authors want beyond just getting funds to to produce the book. So that's what it's really evolved into. So we were based in New York for a while after we we left Bali, um, and yeah, uh, we we still have a lot of agents we're working with. One of them is in New York. Um, the rest are kind of over here in Europe, uh, in Amsterdam. So we're all about working with authors, getting their book ideas out there. And it's it's a platform where we, we connect you with the right publishers. Yeah, it's, I mean, and that's why I said it's so unique because it's got that crowd, crowdfunding uh, aspect to it. But you also, it seems like you also, pub- at Publishizer, you bridge the gap between the want wannabe author um, or who ha- you know, or maybe an author who just who hasn't pulled the trigger yet, or doesn't know the next steps, um, and connecting them with the publishers out there, and then also like kind of guiding them along in that process. Like you said, it's a bunch of different, um, you know, whether it's getting like pre-sales or or like you said, retail at the end. Like there's a lot of different steps that go into it. Yeah, writing a book is everyone wants to write a book, right? Or at least like 80, they say like 80% of people like have a book in them. And I, I think at some point it'd be great for everyone to write the book. Everyone wants to do it, but most people don't know where to get started or the most efficient way to make this thing happen or how to be effective at it. So yeah, the what we do at Publishizer is really coaching and it's supporting. And then of course, agenting you through a book deal. So we're really lowering the barriers to, to getting your book in front of editors because acquiring editors at publishing houses, major imprints out there, they're still looking for great book ideas. And if we can facilitate these great book ideas through Publishizer, get them some funds, make sure the proposal is really great, um, that they're doing everything they need to, to to get in front of the editors and for them to say, yes, I'm interested. Um, yeah, that, that help and that education honestly makes all the difference. Yeah, I, I think uh, I know it would for me. I mean, I can speak from my experience uh, for people listening. You know, Lee and I have been uh, going back and forth a little bit about <laughs> my own experience of trying to get a book out there. So uh, I'm hoping that that will actually happen someday. And nothing against uh, nothing against Lee or Publishizer. That's that's some of my own fears and self doubts, which which, you know, I think is very much why that coaching piece and like that, uh, that support is so crucial, because I think it's Obviously, I'm sure there's all the techni- technicalities and and like the strategies and that end, but I think that's there's a uh, the people side of things as well that you guys seem to seem to deal with pretty pretty well. Fear, fear is one of the biggest roadblocks to to putting a book out there. I mean, because you're not just putting the book out there and figuring out how to do it, like, but you're putting yourself out there. You, this is your thing that you're creating. It's your message. It's your voice. It's what's representing basically you as, as an author right so like that's that's pretty scary to put yourself out there so there's a lot of elements that that go into it and these are things that we encounter all the time with our authors so even if we clear lay out the like the, the clearest path to funding your book idea getting it published and then writing the manuscript and then getting it into uh publishers hands and more readers hands like there's still that aspect of fear to to get over right but I think once you, you know how to do it, you have some coaching you, you have a great proposal, you have this idea laid out. Yeah, I think those fears become less and less and you 
yeah, you're more likely to get your book out there. That's kind of what a lot of authors have told us. Um, you know, we've had one author that was working on his novel for like seven years and uh, he, he wanted to get out there. So finally, like he, he connected with us and we kind of got him over the, the hump and he put it out there. He got published and he won awards and things were very good. We even had uh, a New York Times bestseller on a business book. Um, yeah, he sold hundreds of thousands of copies, but he also been wanting to write this young adult novel. He's like, I just, I just don't want to take the next steps, but reconnected and he finally got his book out there and his manuscript is almost done. And he said, you really just got me over the hump. You motivated me to, to make it happen. So that's, that's part of the big thing in getting these books out there is, is getting over that fear. Yeah, that's, uh, that's amazing. I think that you guys are, are kind of weaving that into what you do at Publishizer. And, and speaking of, speaking of the, the, you know, the fears of getting over the humps, I've got a few questions around that because one, uh, one thing that I read was um, I heard that there were times in the beginning when Publishizer was first starting out where you weren't sure if the company would even still be around a couple months out. And some people might hear that and wonder, like, well, why? And so, like, what were, what were some of the doubts and some of the, you know, uncertainties that you were facing? I mean, in a startup world, there's, it's filled with uncertainty, right? Um, we, we had this idea, and, and we believed in it the entire time, but execution is a whole nother story. You know what I mean? Like, building a team, getting all the people invested in it, because you need a team to make uh, the dream work. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it, it took a while. I mean, we were doing good things in the platform, thing, working with amazing authors. Um, but, yeah, there were definitely times when we're like, you know, three months from now, we don't know if we're going to be around. We don't know if this company is going to be here um, because we had to sustain ourselves. We had to make money. Um, yeah, and we had to, had to continue. So we were constantly trying to get over uh yeah the, the next three months and i think that happened at least three times like guy and i had the conversation my co-founder and i had the conversation maybe we should look for another thing in three months if this doesn't work out and it, it did work out thank god i think we stuck with it and we got through it but um yeah you never know when that's going to happen it's uh it's just the way startups work what was what was the biggest um challenge do you think that like what was what was the biggest hurdle that you had in in sustaining and launching publicizer when we're going through that i would i mean money is the biggest thing for anyone right i mean you can only go for so long on passion and ideas and making making like very little money like that it's also why like bali was a great place for us to be uh super low cost of living it was great i mean we could grow a startup and um but then again like when we go to new york high cost of living like we definitely cut our runway down from like six months to, to three months and we, we couldn't stay there. So yeah, I, I'm sorry to say that money is one of the main factors. And if sales weren't coming in, revenue isn't there. We can't cut the cost. We have to figure out a way to do that. And we did, we always figured out a way to do that. Um, but it, it's, it's a lot more than that. I mean, you need, you need the business to start working for you at some point, you know? So, um, cause you're going to get burnt out if, if you don't do something and nothing happens, then yeah, burnout's going to set in. So you basically have to create something that can 
operate without you at some point. And it took us a long time to figure out how to do that. Yeah, I think that's that is that's the that's the elusive question, right? And or at least the elusive answer. I think it's a pretty obvious question. Is that, um, and I, I, like I'm happy that you brought that up because the money thing is is so real. And I think I feel like it's. I mean, I don't know about you, but I feel like at least at least in the you know American culture, it seems like we're we waffle, like we're on both extremes. Like either you have people who just want to go you know, dive in and they're all about the money and they want to be a millionaire and be financially free and yada, yada. Or you have the other people who say passions, all that matters. I don't need, like I can live off a dollar a day (laughs) and it's, I mean, maybe in Bali, I don't know what it's like over there, but that that's, that's tough. And I think we don't have enough people talking about like how hard that actually is. Like, you know, like, where were you, like, what were you eating and where were you sleeping? Like, what is like, can you talk about the lifestyle from like when you were first starting out? Like just a couple examples or a story maybe? Yeah, I can, I can give a couple examples. Um, one of them is not a publishizer, but like, it's very much like the, the startup life. I think actually like that carried over to like my mentality and what I did at publishizer. And it's probably not the best now that we're like hiring people. Like I, I'm trying to, I try not to project this on them because that definitely shouldn't be the way it goes. But I remember the first time I moved to Las Vegas, it was just like a very small company. Um, but like I got put up in a, it was, it was an old hotel that was renovated into an apartment complex and that's basically where like all the Zappos employees would, would go because right next to the new headquarters but, like I had a place in there it was it was super cheap but like I literally didn't have a lot of like I had money for food like we weren't I wasn't doing anything where like I could just spend outrageously so three months honestly um and I haven't done this since but three months like I didn't even buy a bed like I my clothes were in my my suitcase I laid some clothes out on the floor I think I bought like a foam mat or something and I slept on a floor for three months and I have no idea why I did that. And I like, I, I, I couldn't really afford any of this stuff, but it was, it was, it wasn't that I couldn't afford it. It was that I didn't know if I was going to be in Las Vegas, you know, for a, another month. I didn't know when I was going to leave. Like we could have failed at any point. Um, I could have moved at any time. So I was kind of, I was ready. It was all temporary, but eventually like I got over that. I did buy a bed. Um, and then, yeah, going into like Bali, super low cost. Like, yeah, we weren't making anything. Thank God we were living in Bali and the lifestyle was great. It was sunny. It was amazing. Things were cheap. Um, and that's honestly, if we didn't have that, I don't, I don't think that we would have been able to survive. Like if we were in New York the whole time, let's say we would have died three years ago and we would have moved on. Um, so yeah, I think it's I think it's the environment and it's what we decided to do and maybe sacrifice for the company is, is the reason that we're we're still around. Um it it's all depends on what you're willing to do for the company. Yeah, that I mean there's so many good things you just said there, but I think my my favorite like what I love that you just said is the story about <laughs> not not feeling like you could commit to buying a mattress because yeah. I think on first appearance people might hear your story or, you know, see like, you know, this guy from Michigan living in Amsterdam running a a startup company. Like they might think you don't have any fears and like, you can just dive right in and, you know, you'll fly across across the country, like with, you know, thinking about it like overnight. But at the same time, I think what I'm hearing is that if you 
are unsure about even investing in a mattress for a few months, there's got to be some some hesitation. There's some uncertainty there of like, is this actually going to work out? Like just because you're doing it doesn't mean that you don't have those those concerns. Yeah, I mean, there's always a concern. I think there's it's part of me. And I don't think it's a laziness part of me. I think it's just part of me is like, I'm for some reason, okay with, with sleeping on a, a mattress for three months on a hardwood floor. Like, but I, I don't know, this uncertainty is certainly like the only thing that's certain is, is uncertainty, I guess, in, in, in startup worlds, um, yeah. it, at least for, you always have a runway, you know what I mean? Whether you have investment or whether you have some, like, you know, there's always, you know, a potential runway if you don't continue to do things right. That, that's just what building a company is all about. So, um, yeah, it, I'm glad to say it's not like that anymore. Things are a bit more consistent and we're, we're growing, we're building a team, super happy. Um, but it, it took some scrapping uh, to, to get here. Yeah, I think that's that's important to hear because some people just don't know what the road's really like. And, and it seems like the road's a little bit different for everyone and depending where you are and if you're willing to move to Bali, <laughs> depends on the on the company, right? But um, actually, it's probably a good time to ask. I had I had a question from a listener uh, for you, actually, and what they wanted to know was how do you handle change when you're trying to get where you want to go? How do you handle change when you're trying to get where you want to go? And ch- yeah, and change, I mean, it's probably up for interpretation, but the way I understood the question was, you know, change to be something just unexpected or, you know, something different than what you're used to maybe. Um, and, it, you know, that can apply to a lot of different things, but maybe you have, you know, example of how you, how you coped with that in your own experience that mm-hmm. some of the listeners might be able to relate to. I think maybe it has to do with what, what is the change about? Uh, do you like to change and is it going to change your, your end goal or is it going to change? Yeah. What is it going to change making you happy? I mean, a lot of the, a lot of things that, that I did, like we made tons of changes, not just location, but like changes with like lifestyle and how we pivoted the company. There was a lot of changes that, that had to happen the entire time. But the one thing that didn't change was we loved what we were doing we wanted to see this company do well and we believed that it could do well if we didn't stop, if we didn't quit what we were doing. That was basically the only thing that kept us through all these little changes that, that were hundred percent going to happen along the way. Uh, I guess we, you need a bit of resilience to, to get through, I guess, change. I, I imagine change is maybe like a challenge or it's, it's a situation that's maybe less than, less than great, I guess, is when something, when something change comes up. But um, if, if the change isn't good, that's just something that you have to get through. So what's going to get you through that? That's, I, I think that's what got us here now instead of, you know, deciding to, to go somewhere else or deciding that, you know, this isn't something that we should be working on anymore. Yeah, I think that, I mean, so a lot of, in, in my past work um, with working with like sports psychology and mental performance, um, your values and like your drive, your motivation, those kinds of things is, is really important. And I think is kind of lays the foundation for your, your resilience. And it sounds like as uh, a company, you guys had a really clear vision, really clear goal that you could unite around. Um, but for you specifically, like for you personally, 
maybe even during that time when you had a company goal? And I don't know if that changes your answer or not, but what do you think even before that, like, what do you, what do you think kept you going for so long, moving from place to place and jumping on a plane? And like, what, what was your drive? For me, I know, I know what it was for me. I don't know if that's how it is for everybody else. Um, like me, like I love to experience things hundred percent. It was the adventure. I mean, no matter what I was doing, if we failed at the company or if something happened and I had to, I had to completely change what I was doing. Like I loved where I was at, at the moment I was in Bali. Um, you know, I, I was hanging out with, I was a place where it was complete opposite of the U S it was almost third world, but it was beautiful country. Um, nothing like I experienced. And I was happy because I wasn't, I wasn't finished experiencing that. And like, even when we moved to like Peru for a while in New York, these were just new things. It was an adventure. It was an experience. If we died tomorrow, I could, I could die. The company could fail and I can be completely happy because I was happy with where I was at the time. Um, I think that's, I think that's the most important thing. I was always happy with what I was doing. Um, and yeah, of course I wanted to see the company do well, no matter what, everything we were doing was to build a company. We wanted to achieve that, but yeah, there, there's two sides of it. There's personal, there's business and if those two aren't working together something something's wrong and when something does change it's probably going to affect the outcome it's so it sounds like you know the happiness is at the core of it and you actually remind me of um another episode that we had uh in the show where a guest was talking about uh like happiness versus joy and like that fleeting feeling versus like feeling you know like you're aligned or like fulfilled or that kind of different and i don't want to get caught up in semantics cuz it but it, i'd like to point out that it sounds like you've had these ups and downs and dealing with change and discomforts but also you were always like content with where you were yeah um i i think that makes sense i mean aligned maybe maybe i got lucky uh, because i always felt like whatever i was doing at that moment I was I was happy with with what I was doing where I was at, and of course, there were, I have certain motivations that that keep me happy or keep me aligned. Right, like I have to be challenged in what I'm doing. I have to love what I, I think. There's potential where I want to continue doing this, or like if I'm if I'm still doing this in three years, will I be happy? Like at all points, did did I think that? And that was that didn't matter where I was in the world. Where I was in the world was just like adding to yeah, joy and happiness and experience and adventure, you know, it, it all was built on the foundation of, do I believe that I could be working at this company the next three to five years? And so those just, those work together very well. Did you ever dream that you'd wind up where you are today? Uh, no, I had no idea that I would be in Amsterdam setting up an office. Like I'm, I'm sure I'll be here for at least a year, maybe more than that. Uh, no way, but I'm I'm completely happy with it. I'm, I'm completely happy with it. And being, I, I mean, something I'm curious about too is is being over there might sound like a dream, but do you ever like? Is it hard? Do you find it hard to be away from you know friends and family and like where you grew up? Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, I, I've always been away from where I grew up in Michigan. Like, I was always, I never lived, I haven't lived there for like five years. So I I visit my family, you know hopefully at least once or twice a year, which I still do, which is great. But yeah, it's still a bit hard. I think that's just a bit about growing growing up. So it's not really hard in terms of being away from the US or being away from my family, because that's just kind of like 
that's the norm these days, but it's hard wherever you go. I mean, nothing is ever easy about running a business and, and building a life uh, wherever you decide to be. You know what I mean? So there's always challenges that come up. Definitely sounds like it's it's quite a a journey, but super excited. Like I like I said earlier, I, I wish we could spend more time on just unpacking all the details. I'm sure you have like a thousand different different stories, but we are winding down on time, uh, and I've got some uh, a few kind of rapid fire questions for you, and then um, and then the last last couple of questions to close out here. Um, so I'm going to go through those real quick. And the, you know, yes, no, or you, you could expand them a little bit. But if you if you could live, first one is if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? If I could live anywhere in the world, um, man, I've I've been I've been been I've been to like a few places, but I've definitely the more you travel, the more you realize that you haven't traveled at all. You know what I mean? So it's hard to say where I would live. Um, I would probably live somewhere warm just because I know the weather affects me so much. Like California, Las Vegas, warm and dry all the time. You don't have to worry about the weather. It's happy. Bali is the same thing. Like it's warm and you don't got to worry about it. And you're always happy and it's sunny. And then I come to Amsterdam and again, it's beautiful city and I love it, but it rains a lot and it's very gray and I have to say it affects your mood in, in ways that you don't see coming. And it's just a part of the life here. So, I mean, the weather is a big deal. And um, I, so I would definitely, if I could have it my way uh, in the perfect world, I would move somewhere that's like sunshine all day long. And, you know, maybe that's not too far south. I love Spain. Maybe Spain would be a good place to, uh, to travel. Uh, it's real stuff. Yeah. Weather, weather definitely plays a role. Some people don't, don't think about that. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, what's, what's something that most people don't know about you? Oh, um, geez, so much, I guess. <laughs> um, I, I don't own a car. I mean, that's not even that, that crazy, but I ride a bike to work every day. Again, it's like Nordic Amsterdam type of thing. Um, yeah, I'll ride a bike to work every day. That's exciting. Not something that uh, I think many people would imagine thinking about a co-founder of a company overseas. Um, <laughs> so to Amsterdam and it is, it is littered with bikes everywhere. It's super beautiful. Like it's very unique, but um, yeah, it, it, it's always worth checking out uh, a new city. Amsterdam, top place, beautiful. And you would definitely get around on a bike. Good, good to know. I will definitely keep that in mind next time I'm in, <laughs> I'm in Amsterdam. Uh, last rapid fire question. What's your favorite book? That one's easy. Um, so it was one of the first books I read, but it is The Lincoln Lawyer by Michael Connolly. I think they made a movie out of it, but uh, that is the book that got me hooked into reading. The Lincoln Lawyer. I'll, so I'll make sure that, uh, that that is definitely in the in the show notes always uh not not every day that you get to hear um that answer from someone who works uh so intimately in the in the authoring and and book writing space um but lee i definitely you know i want to acknowledge you we have uh just two questions left for you um but i want to acknowledge you for coming on the show and just sharing and opening up and kind of giving giving an extra you know some extra perspective into what 
the road really looks like and how to handle like all those twists and turns on that on that road because you have had one wild one i'll say uh compared to compared to most which is exciting to listen to and you know super stoked to, to have you on the show but the the next question hopefully you know you, you felt a little bit prepared for this because i told you ahead of time but the way i want to ask it is if you were if you were to write your own book but it was titled success according to lee maybe we could work on the title but that's that's the working title for now what would be the key takeaways that you'd get by reading that book the key takeaways on on being successful by billy constantine hmm, that that's a tough one i think it's it's a huge work in progress that's what i would say but um i would say do what makes you happy always try to yeah love what you do if you don't love what you do it, it's going to be very hard to to feel happy about anything you accomplish at the end of the day right and i think i mean that's what's driven me and i think most of the people that are i think everyone that's working at, at publishizer so i know that yeah i know that everyone feels successful and i just know that to be true so if you do what you love uh you're trying to be happy in life and business then uh yeah i think you're going to be successful that's awesome i love that answer do what makes you happy do what you love that's great so Lee, what are the uh, what are the best places for people to reach out to you if they want to connect uh, or they want to learn more about becoming an author? Where, where can they find you? Uh, definitely can visit me at publishizer.com. Uh, I think my bio is up there, but anything you want to know about, um, yeah, writing a book, getting it published, Publishizer can help you out. Or like my LinkedIn as well. I think I have some contact information on LinkedIn. Um, just at Lee Constantine. Um, yeah, message me, email me, reach out. Uh, super interested to talk to anybody pursuing the the path of being an author or or a startup world. I'm I'm, I'm open to it. <laughs> Sounds like you've had plenty of experience in that world. So I think that you would be able to give some some real insight uh, to anyone who's who's looking to to go move in I that direction. So. I hope so. <laughs> Awesome. Well, Lee, thank you so much for, for coming on the show and, uh, and sharing some of your insights. I really appreciate it, man. Yeah, right. Thanks for having me. It was, uh, it was good talking. Thanks. So what did you think of Lee? If you ask me, pretty amazing guy and just so many experiences and stories that I, I truly hope you can glean something from and, and take home with you. How to handle change and get through uncertainty and just so much more. But if you are still listening, I just want to say thank you. Thanks for your attention and for listening. And it, it just, it really means so much to hear from people like you tuning into the show and engaging and asking questions, which by the way, if you didn't know on Facebook or on Instagram, both at The Venture Life, I try to announce as soon as I schedule a new guest so that you can send your questions for me to ask on the podcast. So keep an eye out for that. And finally, please either share this episode with a friend or just take 30 seconds to leave a review and a rating on iTunes. It's really the best way to help me out, to pay me a compliment. And I do put in the hours to make this podcast a reality. So I definitely appreciate just all of your help and all of your feedback. But until next time, have a wonderful rest of your day or evening and talk soon.